stories. We got to visit them in their homes. And just, it was so powerful. And, and I was so excited to come back and tell you guys, I've given thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to Joy over the years. Uh, far and away, our, it's our organization that we've given the most to as a church. You guys have given uh, countless dollars that we don't even know about because a lot of times we just say, hey, give to this, and this doesn't come through CLC. And I just wanted to come back and report that those dollars are it, it was so powerfully used, so powerfully used, and they empower people that you want to empower. I mean, th we think about the darkness in the world. We think about a lot what a lot of these kids were facing. Like, I just, I got to see that face-to-face -face this last week. Um, but then, it, as dark as it was, there was just people there that we met that are embodying light and becoming love, and, and they're following Christ and doing it in such a way that you just can't help but smile even amidst the darkness. And that's what those dollars that we give go directly to empowering those people to do the work of bringing light to darkness. And so I'm really excited about telling you more about that in a couple weeks. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I, I think everything went well while I was gone. Christy preached. I got to listen to that sermon. It was a great sermon. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, a, a great time, you guys here and us there. Um, so pra praise the Lord for that. Um, I'm just struck by, uh, this is my this is the sermon before the sermon. Um, I, I'm struck by how how global the church is. And I, like Sunday's an important day. Sunday's, like th that was what I was struck with. I mean, a week ago, I was with them in their church. And I was just struck by God. Your, your day is Sunday. God's day is Sunday. And it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we have church on that day as opposed to a Saturday or a Friday night. Um, and Sunday is God's day. And on these day, on, on every Sunday, it's just like hour after hour as the sun comes up around the globe, Christians wait to worship and come in to encounter the living God at church. And it was just like to be on the other side of the world while you guys were sleeping, I was, you know, doing that. I was just like really, I was just overwhelmed by how big God is and how big of a movement the local church is. Um, just thousands of churches, millions of people, billions of people every Sunday coming to worship the living God. And that's, I mean, that's what we step into today, which is just awesome. So, yeah, I could talk forever about Uganda, but I'm not going to because we're in this series called Lullaby um, that Christy kicked off last week. This is a series that we were, we've been excited about for a month or two thinking about what we wanted to talk about in January when people are kind of looking at their lives, like, what do you want to change? What do you want to do differently in your lives? I don't know if you do the New Year's resolution thing. I don't necessarily do that. But there's always, like, God's, I think that God is gracious to us in that he gives us rhythms in life, times where we can, you know, like, stop, slow down, reflect, hey, what happened last year? Do you like it? Okay, if you don't, change it. And that's, that's a form of God's mercy in a sense. So we, we thought, hey, we want to do this this series that's that's talking really about it, it's it's the lullaby is she talked a lot about last week about the the um, the nation of Babylon and the um, the use of the of the really the imagery of Babylon in biblical writings throughout like Old Testament into the New Testament all the way to Revelation it's just like there all the time Babylon is like this symbol of a counter culture a culture that is 
uh, counter against God, the kingdom of God, and the work that the kingdom of God would do in our lives, and the work that God wants to do in our lives, a lot of times is foibled or foiled by this Babylon culture. And really, it, the, way that, the way that Babylon stands against God, it's not like this mighty war, right? Christy talked about this last week. It's a lot more subtle than that. It's a lot more seductive than that. It's just this kind of like, like kind of harkening all the way back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden when the serpent says, you know, are you sure that's what God said? You know, like the serpent can't, tra- he can't challenge God directly because it would be like, you know, it'd be just done. So the way that the, that the, the devil comes against us is these subtle things in weak moments, right? And the, the, the Babylon is, is this culture that's this seductive that just says, you don't really need God. All you need is me. You and me together, I'll give you everything that you want. I'll give you your desires, your dreams, and you know, just this subtle, this subtle deception and this, this current within culture that re- we really need to be aware of because it's appealing. It's alluring. As dumb as it sounds, and as I'm talking about, you guys are laughing like, yeah, like what does the devil offer to God? It's like, I don't know, but I give into it all the time. And there's this counterculture, there's this, this, this Babylon, there's this lullaby. Christy and I were, were working on this, this, this sermon series, and we're like, what do we call this? And we thought about all of these different words, some of them more fierce than others, like this battle or whatever. It's like, no, it's not a battle. It's a lull. What, 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 what really, really um, endangers you and I in our spiritual walk with the Lord is just forgetting about him. Not, not necessarily taking up, like, flipping, flipping him off and going the other direction. Maybe some of us have done that for sure. But a lot of times it's just this slow and steady, gradual, like, like drift away from him and his ways. It's a lullaby. I wanted to call the, the, the sermon series, Beware the Lullaby. But I think it was, like, too artistic or something like that. <laughs> so what I want to talk about today is, is some of the activities that can be, uh, uh, can form, a, uh, be a form of a lullaby for us. Things that, that on the surface probably don't look all that bad. Some of them are bad. Some of them are really, you know, destructive behaviors that you and I get to tend towards, and, and, and all of us have had that. But a lot of them are kind of benign. They seem on the surface not to be that big of a deal, but, like, they, they end up being lullabies. They end up being things that lull our spirit and lull our soul so that we're not in tune or even paying attention to what God is doing. It could be an activity, pastime, habit, habit call it guilty pleasures, <laughs> you know, uh, how we unwind. Um, anything, any activity that we do, like TV, social media, binging on Netflix, romance novels, entertain, like just, I, like the, I think entertainment is just this huge category in and of itself. I get a kick out of this. Have uh, you thought of this before? You pr- there's no way you've thought of this before. But so you like watch Star Wars, and they're like, you know, it's it's in the past, so there's like that old timey feeling to it. But they're superly like way more technologically advanced than we are. I think that's why it's so entertaining. But what you know what's interesting in Star Wars that I think is really not credible and real is if 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 humans 
had the amount of technology that they had in Star Wars, they wouldn't use it to make light beams and lightsabers. We'd use it to make better selfie sticks, you know? And like, like better streaming services. Like, like how much of our technology goes towards entertainment? But you don't see that in the movies because nobody, nobody wants to watch a two-hour movie of people watching Netflix. It's boring. And, but that, see, that's the lull. And that's the interesting part of, and, and, and really my question for you today is, and, and here's what's going to happen today as I bring up different things like binge watching Netflix and be like, I don't even have Netflix. And it's like, yeah, I know you don't have Netflix, but you got something else. Any Jim Gaffigan fans in here? Okay, the Jim, I love Jim Gaffigan. He's got this bit on McDonald's that I almost didn't want to use because it's just like, I don't want to. I don't want to rag on McDonald's. They've been put through the ringer in the last couple of years. Like, like there's all those documentaries, and everybody knows you're not supposed to eat McDonald's. And and here's the thing. Full disclosure. I eat McDonald's. Like I, I see, and the, the the pregnant pause right there is interesting. You don't know what to do with that. Like it's just like it's church. I'm con it's confession. I'm confessing that I eat McDonald's because we think it's so bad. But here's the, here's the thing. And and here's the thing with my relationship with junk food. It's very strong. I have a very strong relationship with junk food. In fact, like, I thought of the phrases, I'm either a junk food junkie or a junk food foodie. One of those two things. Like, Nabisco and Hostess and I are, like, best friends. Like, that, like it's the, the stuff that you walk in the store and you're like, who eats that? I do. <laughs> it's me. And, and, and you can laugh at me and, and, like, maybe that's my thing that I need to take care of. I don't know. Like, I, I am kind of reassessing my relationship with junk food as I turn 40 because things change. But here's the thing, here's the thing, like, like anytime somebody talks about McDonald's, like most of the room will like turn their nose up at it. And Jim Gaffigan kind of pulls that out. He's like, I'm tired of people thinking they're better than McDonald's. <laughs> you know, you know, you may have never set foot uh, in, in uh, you may have never set foot in McDonald's, but you all have your own McDonald's. Maybe instead of buying a Big Mac, you read celebrity magazines. Or you tell yourself that a Starbucks Frappuccino is, is so different than a milkshake. This is, this is Jim Gaffigan talking, okay? So picture, picture him, like, if, if you know. Like, or maybe you watch Glee or Tiger King. He's like, it's all McDonald's. It's all McDonald's for your soul, is what he says. It's, it, it, it's, it's all McDonald's for your soul. It's just served up a little bit differently. Everybody has their own McDonald's. Momentary pleasure, followed by incredible guilt, eventually leading to cancer. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. Like, and I heard that bit. And I was like, yes, we all have our own McDonald's. And I was like, Christy, I think we should name the series McDonald's. She's like, you can't do that. I was like, yeah, but it'd be so funny. That, like, so so, like, so the, 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 we named it Lullaby. She was right. It's better. But the point is, is this, like, we all have our thing. You have your thing. You have that thing that you run to when you're tired or stressed or you don't want to do or you don't want to think about this. You have, we all have our McDonald's for our soul. And we don't think of it that way. We don't, definitely don't call it that. It's just how we unwind. It's just what we do. You know, and, and, and in some ways, that's absolutely right. And here's what's tricky about all these things, all of these things that we could kind of binge on or, or like we, could, we can get lost in, is they're not bad in and of themselves. In fact, like, like I remember I was going to a, a Stephen, <laughs> this is funny, I was working with Young Life, 
And then all of a sudden, like, one of, one of the people at Young Life is like, Josh, you should go to this Stephen Covey thing, like, about time management. And I, I, I was like, okay. And I got there. I was like, hey, wait a second. Like, <laughs> I know, I see what you're doing here now because it, like, it was, like, aimed at me, right? So I'm at this Stephen Covey thing, and the guy talks about it. He's like, you know, we're talking about time management and how to time block, and you fill it out in your little Stephen Covey planner and stuff like that. Like, and if, if, if you're, like, under the age of 20, you have no clue what I'm talking about, but it's this time management thing. And uh, he's, like, talking about, okay, let's talk about TV. What are some of your favorite TV shows, you know? And everybody perks up, and they laugh, and they go, oh, I like this one, I like this one. And then all of a sudden, the room goes silent because we're like, yeah, we probably shouldn't like those things, right? And he's like, wait, 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 wait. Those things, he's like, look at your faces right now. And he has to look around the room. We're all smiling. He's like, there's value in smiling. He's like, it's just when those things take over and, and you lose sight of other things that you want to do something about it. And that's the point. Because all of these things, Babylon's subtle. It's seductive. It's tricky. It's, is it bad to watch this? Is it bad to drink? Is it bad to do these things? Not necessarily, unless... They start to take over your soul. And then they're very, very bad. And it doesn't matter if it's hard drugs or you literally just watch TV till your, your, your mind, mind is numb and then go to sleep every night. It doesn't matter what it is. It's, if it's sucking your soul, that's not what we're created for. And that's why we need to, and really basically what today's about is what's your thing? What's the role of your thing in your life that, that has a tendency, like, yeah, it can be a very healthy escape in one moment, but the next day maybe it just takes, it takes so much of who you are, there's barely anything left. The, the big idea that I kind of want to drive home today, if you want to put that up, Trevor, is, is pretty simple. Physical activities have spiritual consequences. The, the things that we do have spiritual consequences. The things that we do have the power of bringing us closer to each other, closer to ourselves, and closer to God. The things that we do also have the ability to, to disconnect us from each other, to make us hate ourselves, we know that all too well, and make us distant from God. And I just want to connect. It, it, some of the stuff I'm saying today is so straightforward and so simple. I'm like, is this demeaning? I was like, no, because I forget it every week. I forget this stuff all the time. But go, to, go back to food, like, like, like this, this idea of, of, of food and what we eat. There's that old adage, you are what you eat. Which it's like, why do we even have to say that adage? It's because sometimes we're eating things that are like, if I am, so, so I'm eating this. It goes into my body. My body metabolizes it and uses some of it for energy to do things and some of it to make me. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to eat that. You know what I mean? Like, you are what you eat. That's interesting to think about. That's on the physical side. And I feel like on the physical side, we still need reminders of that. But it's pretty, it, the correlation is there. One to one, we get it. You know, we learned it in school, in a, in a home ec class or whatever. Like, this is what your body does. But when it comes to our spirits, just as, just, our, just as our bodies use food and metabolize food to make who we are physically, here's what I would propose today, is that when it comes to our spirits, we aren't what we eat, 
We are what we do. Our, our, our activities make up who we become and who we are. I mean, this is kind of unescapable if you think about it. Like, like from a standpoint of like, it, whatever, whenever we come to the end of our lives, none of us know when that's going to be. But when we come to the end of our lives and you know, we either have the chance to make sense of it ourselves or maybe if we die suddenly and we don't get a chance, but the people around us will get a chance to look at our lives and what will they assess? They will assess what we have done and what we have become through what we have done. And I know this is kind of heady. I know this is kind of like out there, but I think it's really important for us to, what you do today and tomorrow and th this week, that will make this week. Seven days from now, we'll have a chance to come back here again. Will you like your week? Whether you like your week or not is really just, it's, it's, just, uh, it's, it's a testimony to what you did that week. It's that simple. But we're at risk of forgetting it. In fact, like, like in, for some of us, like this idea of the physical and the spiritual, like the spirit, like I was thinking about, like I have friends that, that would be like, yeah, the, the spiritual side of things I don't get. But I think we're actually, even if, even if we don't believe in the spiritual, we all know what it's like to have a week that's like, where did that go? And, and, and at the end of it, we're like, what, what came of that? Like, and that's frustrating to us. Why? Because we're not just physical beings. Like, like, like in that same week, we might have everything we need to eat, everything we need to have, you know, to, to, with a roof over our heads. We might have everything we need to, to, to survive in life, maybe even thrive in life. But there's something wrong. What is that? It's because we are spiritual beings. And I was thinking about it this week. I was like, honestly, if, if, we, if we as a church, we as a culture, like, like we as the town of Evergreen, if we put 25, no, not even 25%, I'm going to go 10%. If we put 10% of the effort that we put into financial planning, caring for our physical bodies and fitness and diet, which is like, like that's a big buzzword right now. We're, we live in a culture where we have the, we have the ability and the luxury of like uh, thinking and, and talking about that. If we put 10% of our effort into that and what we have, like our 401k and our dreams for the future, if we put 10% of that effort and put it into our spiritual lives, how much better of a place would we live in? How many people would, would like, how much more would we like ourselves how much more would we be better fathers and mothers, even if we just put a fraction of our time and effort into our spiritual lives, not our physical lives, but our spiritual lives? I think it could be a game changer. And I think this is for everybody. I think this is for our people inside the church, outside the church. I think this is a message for people who would call themselves Christians and, and people who would call themselves not. Because here's how we, we're going to define, like, like spiritual, spiritual life is pretty simple. We feel spiritually alive when these three things happen. Go ahead and put that slide up. We feel, we feel spiritually alive when we feel connected with one another. When, when, we have, when we have an opportunity to be known by one another, when we have an opportunity to get to know someone new, when we have the opportunity to be honest with one another, when we have the opportunity to, to, uh, to uh, like be, feel valued by somebody, and in return, make them feel valued by your presence. 
we, we enjoy that, and the reason we enjoy that is that that's because it's in our spirit to do so. You know how different that is than animals? Do you know how different that is than anything else in the world? Not that there isn't spiritual connections with, like I think pets, you know, that, that, that can be a spiritual connection, but, but not on the same level that, that we as humans feel between each other. To be spiritually alive is to be connected with others. Here's a, the next one is uh, to be content with yourself. We, we, when we're content with ourselves, we're okay. We're better spiritually. When we're not content with ourselves, we, like I, I, I've, you guys know I've been in counseling that this has been a, lot, a really tough couple of years for me. And I, I, I was up last night at like 3 a.m. because of jet lag. And I, it was actually kind of a holy ground for me to just sit down and be like, what, what happened last year, Lord? What did you do last year in my life? And I got to write it all out. And I was more content with myself in 2022 than I was in 2021. And I was able to praise God for that. I hope that's similar for you maybe. And that's a spiritual thing. I felt more spiritually alive because I was content with myself. In parts of the 2020, during COVID 2021, I remember times where everything else in life relatively was going pretty well. But I didn't like myself. And it, it just kind of, it, it, it brought a damper on everything. And that's it's because we're spiritual beings. We need to be connected with others. We need to be content with ourselves. And lastly, and not leastly, we need to be close to God. Can you put that one up, Trevor? We need to be, and this is, this is as Christians from the biblical point of view, we believe that God is the source of all life, physical and spiritual. So as spiritual beings, if we are going to be content and we are going to be uh, uplifted and feel alive spiritually, we can be connected with others, we can have, be content with ourselves, but we also need to be close to God and pursue a closer relationship with him. And thanks because of his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, that the, those offenses between us and God, now we are brought in close. And it's just that it's amazing to think about that we can be close to the creator. The creator of the universe wants to be close to you. And then when the closer we get to him, the more alive we become. And, and my point is, again, going back to this, our physical activities have spiritual consequences. All of us know that feeling of doing stuff, doing something, that, that at the end of it, we don't feel connected with others. At the end, like, at the end of it, we're like, I don't like myself. And it, and it, and it looks like on the, on, the, on the outside, I'm like, yeah, but it was just, you know, I just stayed up late watching TV till 2 a.m. What's the big deal? It's like, I don't know, but I don't like myself today. You know, it's a spiritual thing. And we don't feel alive when we aren't connected to God or we do something that disconnects us from God. So the question is, and we'll get into our passage, is what's your thing? What's your thing that threatens these? What's your physical activity that you'd kind of like just to wipe out? Like, you'd like, if I could get rid of this, I think I would. So what's your thing? And, and then here's the next question is, do you want it to change? In fact, like, this is church. And I think that we should do bold things in church. As you're thinking about your thing, 
I want to give you a chance. Raise your hand. You're not going to get up and share what it is, but raise your hand if there's something in your life that you would like to change. I'll, I'll start. This is me raising my hand right now. It's good to, to it's good to, I think in the culture of Babylon, when there's lullabies, and see, I think all of these are lullabies. This is your lullaby. This is your thing that if you just kind of not pay attention, you just kind of keep going with the flow in 2023 or next week or whatever, you just keep going in life, you're in danger of just being lulled by it and not ever knowing the consequences of it and not standing up against it. And so that's important to say, no, I want this to change. I want this to be different. And then the question that I want us to ask as we're diving into a, a scripture verse, is change possible? So for some of you, you've, this is like, you're not like, you know what, this is kind of, you know, I, I want to change this. You're like, no, I've been wanting to change this for a while. And if that's you, I'm really glad you came to church today. Because we're going to talk about how things change. How do we change? How do you and I change the things that we would like to get rid of in our lives? The Bible is an incredible book, which I know I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to like, I'm like paid to say that or something like that. But guys, it really, really, really is an incredible book. What you like, what you're holding in your lap right there, like has so many answers to so many things. The verse that we're going to look at today is like one of the most incredible passages in this incredible book. If you've been here long enough, you've heard me preach on it before because I just can't, I looked at a lot of different passages today for what, like, like for what we might talk about, and this was the one I was just like, that's it. I'm, I'm coming back to this one because it's so powerful. It gives us instructions on how people change, and I can't stay away from it. It's Romans 12. Verses 1 and 2. Turn in your Bibles there. If not, we're going to put them on, on the screen. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his friends in Rome. Don't put it up yet. Give away. Give it away. He's writing to his friends in Rome. And uh, he's going to use some, he's going to use, he's a, he's a Jewish man who, he grew up Jewish. He was what was called a Pharisee, so he's high in the Jewish religion. He understood the ins and outs of it greatly. And a lot of his audience, although it would have been a mixed audience in Rome, Rome would have been a bunch of uh, people who were Jewish in that church, but there also would have been people who were not, like they would have called Gentiles. And he talks about that a lot in, in the book leading up to that, like the role of Christianity. Like all of these people have become Christians and they left their, their Gentile ways, or they left they, they converted their Jewish ways to, to follow Christ. And now he's talking to them. So he's going to use some Jewish Im imagery. Check this out. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. In other words, like brothers, he's using brothers and sisters. These are people who say, I want to be like Jesus. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's like, if you want to be like Jesus, uh, the, so I urge you. So these are words, if you want to be like Jesus today, this is Paul saying, I urge you to do this, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and here's, here's the Jewish religion um, language you'll start seeing here, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, P Paul had probably been to the temple. He'd seen sacrifices before where they, they, they sacrificed an animal on the altar. 
and it was, it was representative, symbolic of, of I'm, I'm laying my sin down. I'm dying to my sin. So he would have been f- familiar with that, and his audience might have been familiar with that as well. But he said, this is a little bit different. In, God, in view of God's mercy, I want you to actually don't offer a sacrifice. Offer what? Yourself. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, obviously, he's not meaning literal. This is like figurative. That because of what Christ has done for us, he's the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice. We don't need any more sacrifices. So what do we do? We need to offer ourselves because we're so grateful. We'll offer our very selves to him, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And this, this predates Jesus. This isn't just like, hey, now that Jesus has walked and he's our sacrifice, this has changed things. It's always been this way. Paul is saying, like, your true and your proper worship wasn't before Jesus came wasn't to just bring a sacrifice to him. And that relates to us today. Like, like your, you, you, if you want to please God, you don't, you don't go to God, you don't come to church. Just be like, all right, what can I do? I'll just go to church. Maybe I'll even put something in the offering. I'll, 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 I'll be nice to my neighbor. Like, it's not, he's saying God wants more than just empty ritual and empty religion. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your very self, right? That's your true and proper worship is to offer your very self to him. And then he says this, and this is, this is the verse that, that we're going to camp on today. Do not conform. This is like, you, you want to know how, what your proper worship looks like? You know what it looks like to give yourself as a sacrifice to God? This is it. Do not conform, everybody say conform, to the pattern of this world. Do not conform any longer. One verse says, don't, you know, stop. You, know, you used to conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do that any longer. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, Paul is saying, don't be like this guy. This is, and this, this is silly. I know this is a cookie cutter, but this seems silly. But this is exactly what, the, if you look at these Greek words of what he's using, He's like, don't be conformed anymore by the patterns of this world. In other words, don't let Babylon come and shape you. I almost dropped you. Sorry, bud. Let me put you up here, okay? Don't be like this guy, okay? Don't, don't allow Babylon to come in and say, this is all you need. You, you know, you want to be happy? Just come on over here. I got this over here. Oh, you don't like that? Come on over here. Oh, you don't like that? Try this on for size. I got everything you need, baby. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And to tie this back into our spiritual activities, the things that you and I do that, that disconnect us from each other, that make us hate ourselves, that make us not feel distant from God, to tie it back to those, basically, like, like we have to understand, guys, this, I was thinking about this a ton this week. All of these things in life, the McDonald's things in life, do you know that McDonald's is like the amount of research and development that has gone into the production of that food to make you want more? Again, I'm not dogging McDonald's. I'll probably eat there this week. But the point is, the point I want us to see is the amount of effort that's gone into, that goes into 
capturing your mind this week. It is, it is real. I just learned this in the last couple months. Did you know that, that marketing makes up 18% of our GDP as a country? Our, our gross domestic product, like 18% of the efforts that, do, that, that, uh, that Americans do and for their jobs goes to marketing things to you and to me. And the thing about marketing is really tricky because nobody feels like they're a sucker to marketing. They know people that are maybe a sucker to marketing. Like they saw her a mile away. You know, she, they saw her coming. Not me, though. It's, it's just not true. It's so powerful and it's so subtle and it's so, that, like, there's so much. You can, we can't. We can't really fight against it. It's everywhere. And I'm not even saying it's, it shouldn't be. Like, or that, you know, like, should you? Should. Yeah, no, I'm not even saying that it's all that bad. Like, if you work in marketing, like, there's a one in five chance you work in marketing of some kind, right? I'm not dogging it. I just want us to be aware of it. I think it's just important for us to recognize that people who are on the other side of, like, 15 AI computers that don't know you from Adam are making decisions that will affect how you shop tomorrow. You should just know that. And they don't mean any ill will against you. But the point is, is don't, like, <laughs> so I have three, um, three, three life uh, rule, uh, rules for life for my kids. I'll share the other two sometime. Like, um, but the third one is don't, like, the world is full of suckers. Don't be one. Don't be a sucker. Don't, like, know that this is going on. And these are, these are um, informal, impersonal forces that don't care about you. They, they just want you to buy. And if, if, they, if you buy and you opt and you, you spend more money than you're supposed to, they don't know that. And if you waste your life playing, you know, games on your phone, do you, do you, like, the amount of research that's gone into Candy Crush so you play the next level, and then the next level, and then the next level, and then all of a sudden it's Tuesday. And you're like, where did Monday go? It's all there. It's all, like, the, 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 the forces are real to just drag our lives. And again, we are what we do. And if that's all we do, it's not much of a life. And I just can't believe when you open up your Bible and you see Paul this guy, this is 2,000 years ago. This is before Freud. This is before Erickson. This is before any neurological studies. And he's saying, listen, if you want to follow, if you want to properly worship God, start by making sure you're not conforming to the world around you. There's a force, there's a current, there's a lullaby that would have you. And, and, and dude, students, I'm so glad. Like, this is... This stuff's so important to learn. I didn't know this when I was your age. That like, like that not only that there's a, a current or a force, but the, this spiritual side of things, that I do things that, like, I don't even know why I'm doing them, but, man, am I drawn to them. You ever done something, like, like on a computer and just, like, a game or something, you just you keep doing it, keep doing it, and you're like, I know, and I have so many other things to do, and I just, I just want to keep doing this. That's a spiritual thing. That's something in your spirit. Your spirit is being quenched by junk food. And we need to fight against it. We can't just, oh, here's another great example of, of confirmation. Um, young life, we go to camps. 
And a lot of times the camps will have like a big pool, like a big pool, like a hot, like, or like a big, some of them are hot tubs that are like 150 kids can go in them. And I, you put 150 middle school or high school kids, they're going to start doing something weird, you know, that you haven't seen before. And, and not that bad, I'm not talking about that stuff over there, I'm talking about the stuff that's like, hey, let's take a video of this. Like, they just start going around in a circle and start creating a current, like it's, it, it was a pool. But, like, within five minutes of 150 kids, they're like, let's all run this way together. And it creates this current, okay? And, and you can literally, it's cool, because you, once it gets rolling with, like, 100 people doing this, you can just lift up your legs, and you just float in this pool, in a circle. It's pretty cool. And then somebody's like, all right, switch directions. And it's, like, crazy, because, like, you, you, you're just going with the flow. And then you realize if you want to go with the opposite direction, it's impossible if you're by yourself. But then, like, you know, 100 people put their feet down, and they, like, like dig in their heels, and they start going the other way, and they make the current go the other way. There's currents, guys, all over in our culture of what's normal, what's okay, what's good for entertainment, what we should be doing, what, 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 what you deserve. I mean, you deserve it. You've worked hard. And they, they're either, you know, some of them are true, some of them are not. But how do we know? We, we know by being grounded in the word by not just going with the flow, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And then he says this, but be transformed. That's the next verse. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, don't be like this guy. Be like this guy. This is like a, how does this work? There. It's like a little transformer. Don't be, don't be a, like a conformer, somebody who just gets shaped by a world around, but like somebody who from like the inside out is transformed. Don't be like this guy. Don't be like this guy. Be like this guy. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this, and then we'll close in prayer. Do you want to be like this guy? Or do you want to be like this guy? You know? Be transformed. Be, to be transformed as opposed to comfort, you know, conforming takes no, it doesn't take any thought, it doesn't take initiative, it just, it just means you can lift up your feet and just go with the flow. It's the easy button in life a lot of times. To be transformed takes discipline, takes decision. It means, no, no, I see what's going on around me and I don't want that to happen, so I'm going to put my feet down, I'm going to stand against the current. And it could be the current of the culture, but it also could just be the current of the decisions of your own life, of the way that you've just done things over and over, and it's become habitual, and you start to realize, that's not what I want. And so I'm going to seek transformation. This word transformation is awesome in the Greek. It's basically metamorphosis or metamorphosize, or metamorphose or something like that. It's where we get the word, like, you know, caterpillar goes into the cocoon, and then metamorphosis? Metamorphosis. You guys just said three different things. That word. And changes from within and becomes something beautiful. And that's the difference. That's what God wants to do in your life and mine because we've all made decisions. We've all fallen short of his glory. We've all walked in the way of this world. 
And what's, what's great is, like, for some of you, you're like, I've never thought about it this way. Like, I'm, I'm you know, like, I, I've been down. I've been, I've been, you know, like, I've just, life, it just felt ick. And this is putting handles on it for you. This is what God wants for you. But it, it, and there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is there's something you can do about it. The bad news is, is you're going to have to dig your heels in, probably, to make it happen. Transformation doesn't come easily. It comes from fighting. It comes from, from trying. It comes from taking initiative and saying, I, you know, yeah, the world says I can do money this way. The world says this is how we date. The world says this is how we do it. But, but God, how, what do you say? Because I want to be like you. I would like to, I'd like to have your, uh, like, like whatever your way of life, I want to go where that leads. And it's going to take some initiative. It takes thought. It takes time. Like, God, this is how, I, this is how I've been living life. We, we prayed this prayer, like, like examine, we prayed this prayer a couple months ago, examine, examine me, see if there's any wrongdoing in me. It allows, it's this invitation for God to kind of come into our lives and mess it up. But the good news is, is when he does that, when he messes up our lives, we, are, we then become, and this is so cool, we, we, we then are becoming transformed in the image of his son. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so uh, in closing today, Oh, uh, no, we got we to gotta read the rest. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Go back to the other verse. Oh, yeah, yeah no, it's right there. Uh, do not conform, yeah. Uh, yeah, this one. Do not conform any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is where, like, if, if you've ever struggled, like, I've tried to change things. Th again, this is before Freud, Erickson. This is, like, 2,000 years ago. I can't believe Paul was, like, privy to this like, you think, I don't know what, like, you, you like, we get so, um, it's, it's this term, it's called modernism. You know, like, ageism's like, you know, like, oh, they're, they're too old or they're too young or whatever. Like, you put people in classes based on how old they are. Modernism is this idea that it, we in the modern world have everything figured out. And those poor ancients, they were just, you know, like, breaking rocks together and trying to light a fire. And the reality is, like, if you, I don't know about you, but I, I really love to read really old stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, they, they really understood a lot. Paul really, this guy understood a lot. He's like, you want to change? You want to change your behavior? It starts by renewing your mind. Think about this. Think about this. How many of you ever kicked a habit? Done something, you know, like, like I, I, I was doing this, and now I don't. Like, like yeah, a lot of us have been like, yeah, we, we, we don't do that anymore. And what's interesting about that is, when you come to realize when you try to stop doing something or kick a habit is it's not necessarily about the thing and your proximity to the thing. It's about your relationship to it. And all of a sudden, like once you kick a habit, you're like, you realize you're like, oh my gosh, there's that thing that I, I've tried to stay away from. It's right there. I could partake in that thing, but I'm not going to. And what changed was not the thing but you, what changed was you, your mind and your relationship, your attitude towards that thing. In other words, you renewed your mind, and, and to renew is to restore. 
And to restore something, if you ever restored like a, um, like a woodworking or a car, and you're like, you see something, it's like, okay, this is, this is out of whack. This isn't, you know, like this is not useful anymore. It's broken. Or like, like let's, let's go in this direction, like paint on a car or finish on a piece of wood. You can't just slap new finish or new paint on top of the old finish. In order to restore something, it's, you start by taking off the old and then putting on the new. That's what renewal looks like. And this is so important in, when we're talking about if you want to change, anytime you want to change something, you know, I, I don't want to do things the old way anymore. I want to do things new. Anytime you want to change something, it requires that you take something off first before you put something on. It just, it makes sense. Like, you, you might have to quit something. Uh, I like the word shedding. You might have to shed something off before you can bring on something new. It's, that's what renewal is, taking off the old and then putting on something new. And that's what Paul is saying here. Do not conform anymore to the patterns of the world. Be transformed, and this is how you're transformed, by renewing your mind. And in, in, in as far as our conversation goes, I think here's, here's what this means. If we want to change something, if you want to change something in your life, you want to stop doing something, start doing something, I want to become this type of person, right? If, if that's you, I think what we, what you, where you want to start is we need to have a vision of what we want to become. We, if we want to put something new on, like, we gotta, like, this is where I've been, this is where I am, I don't like that about myself. It's leaving me disconnected with others, loathing myself, you know, distant from God. We want to change. We need to start with vision. I was listening to podcasts. This, uh, this is before I went to Uganda. But, um, and it was, I was working in the house, and a podcast came on. And they were talking about New Year's resolutions. I was like, oh, I want to turn this off. But I couldn't because my hands were, like, full of epoxy or something like that. And so I just kept it rolling. And I'm actually really glad I did because the, the, the guy brought on a specialist that he's like, this is, I love this time of year because people are willing to change. And he's like, instead of just, you know, like, I want to lose weight, to use as an example. Like, it'd be nice to lose weight. I'm, I'm, I'm overweight, so I want to lose weight. He's like, we always try to tie what they want into who they want to become. They tie it to identity. No, I want to lose weight because I want to be the grandfather, the type of grandfather that is able to do certain things with my grandkids. You see how that's different than like, I should lose weight versus like, no, this is the type of person that I want to be. I want to be a woman who's, who's strong enough, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, like for health, it might be something like, I want to be a woman who people don't have to, uh, later in life, they won't have to take care of me because I took care of myself. And you tie it to some sort of identity. And that, this works secular, sacred. This works, you know, like this just works in the world. But I was thinking about it, and I was just praying for you guys this week in preparation for this sermon. I was like, God, help us to become people who long to be known now and at the end of our lives as men and women of God. Men, men, you know, like, like help us, help our men at our church to, to, to change and to take steps towards you because their identity is in you and they want to be a man of the word. 
See how that's different? See how that's tied to who we are? And it's, it's, it's really what it is, is I think it's, it's us stepping into who God created us to be. God created you to be something specific in regards to him. What is that? And as you think about your thing and getting rid of your thing, and stepping out of that, taking off the old, what's the vision for what God wants to do new in you and who you are? Isn't that powerful? Isn't that good? This is what God desires for us, is to be fully alive, to be fully present, to be, to, to be fully ourselves. And you have what it takes. Because you're created in his image. And because the best process to going towards this is actually leaning on him and watching him transform your life. Here's what we're going to do. Chris is going to come up and and just play some music. And I just wanted to create space this morning. We just don't get space. Have you ever been in a prayer circle? And, like, it wasn't clear who was supposed to pray first. And it's, like, quiet for a minute. And at first you're kind of like, oh, no. You're like, the, like as Americans, we're like, we're, like, we're, like, we're wasting time, you know. <laughs> and then it kind of hits you. You're just like, I can breathe. I'm going to create that space for you this morning. Give you a chance to create that space in your own heart. For let, for, to allow God to come in and maybe move some things around, maybe reveal some things in your heart, like, hey, you know, this thing, it's more than just a thing. It's a force in your life that's taking you away from me. And I'll go back to the questions that we started with. What's the thing? Do you want it to change? Can it change? I, I, would, I, would, I would purport that in Christ, it can is transforming powerful. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to just kind of pray. And then we're going to take communion. Um, and we'll have the bread and the cup. You just come up, you tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. And I thought that would be a great way to end our service today. And then we'll sing one more song. Let me, let me lead us in a word of prayer and then we'll have some silent prayer. God, I thank you for these words. I thank you for your mercy where there, that, that shows up in our lives by giving us moments in time where we see clearly, God, we're not with you. And although that makes us sad and it, it's, it's, it's condemning in a sense, we're grateful for it because we, we long for life. Pray for, for us as a church that we would be people who year after year are just becoming more son. I pray for our students, Lord, that as they they go out into this world and and they they figure out what it is to be them, that they'd be able to see these tells, to see these these moments of of frustration and and ambiguity as, oh, that's spiritual, Lord. That's not just a physical thing, but that's me. I'm, I'm not connected to you. And that they would take steps to connect with you. Lord, I pray that you would make us holy and and sacred people set apart and different because of you.
pray for my, uh, my friends in the room that are longing for change. They're longing, they're, Lord, Lord, some of us, we're just sick and tired of something in our lives. Would you help us shed those things today? And then as a result, bring us closer to you, closer to each other, and closer to even ourselves. that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and he picked it up and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you and then after uh, uh, the, the supper he took up a cup of wine and he said this is the, the, the blood of my new covenant Covenant. this is the, the wine of the new covenant which is in my blood this is my blood that's poured out for you, so that you and I could have life, and life abundantly through him. As you feel led, if you feel, if you want to, and you feel comfortable, feel free to come up, take some bread, tear it off, dip it in the wine. 
Let's take communion together.